Welcome to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast with Dr. Steve Albrecht. I'm the very same Dr. Steve Albrecht, and this podcast is sponsored by Library 2.0 and produced by the founder of Library 2.0, Steve Harganon. Good to be with you for this episode where I want to talk about vendors and vendor relationships with the library. There have been some interesting issues with vendors in terms of boundary problems and behavior issues, even theft, and kind of a familiarity sometimes that some vendors have where they just wander into our facilities without checking in at the front desk or going into the back office areas without permission or going even into the where the leaders and supervisors, managers may have back offices and getting back there without permission or supervision. Not all library vendors are problematic, but some are, and I wanted to talk about some of the things we need to think about in terms of a visitor vendor access policy. Uh, one of the things that I've seen in my work, especially around government and around uh, vendors that come into government buildings is they get a sense of familiarity having coming there on a regular basis or irregular basis, and they start to bypass some of our security procedures. We may have a sign-in process, we may have a badging process, or, or an escort process where the person has walked back to where they need to be to do maintenance or to work on equipment or to schedule or pick up deliveries, things like that, and they get past that stuff. Some of the situations I have seen, they also become, this is mostly the male vendors, of course, a little flirty, a little chatty, uh, intrusive. They talk to our female employees and, and uh, become overly familiar. They hang around. They start to hang around the facility longer than they need to be there to do their work. And it's a concern. And so sometimes their, their defense of this behavior is, well, it's harmless. I'm just chatting to pass the time. But at times it makes the library employees feel uncomfortable and city and county employees feel uncomfortable. We also may have some issues, whether in the back of our warehouse areas, they're doing deliveries, installations, maintenance, things like that. And we really have no sense of who they are or what they're doing. We just think, well, they work for this company that's, that's doing deliveries or, or uh, repair work or something like that. We really don't know who they are. Worst case scenario, uh, I've seen this uh, just in on Twitter uh, a couple months ago where a woman was wearing a, a FedEx uniform, at least the shirt and the pants of a FedEx uniform, did not work for FedEx, got out of her own car, went up to a front door where some packages were and stole them. And so this was caught on the uh, homeowner's camera. But it sort of goes back to my larger concern that if you're a male of any age or race and you're carrying a clipboard and wearing a nice suit or a jacket, you can get into almost any business in the United States and wander around. If you're a male of any age or race and you're pushing a hand truck and you're wearing a blue work shirt and a hat that looks like it belongs to some kind of delivery company, you can get into almost any business in the United States and wander around. This should not be true. We have an expectation sometimes that the UPS guy looks like the UPS guy and the FedEx guy looks like the FedEx guy and the, and the maintenance, delivery, installation, repair guy or looks like that guy. And that may or may not be true. So because I'm a security guy, I function off of the realm of, of trust people but also verify. And so if you're a reasonable, reliable, vendor, delivery person, whoever, you should have no problems and should not be offended when an employee who does not know you, library employee does not know you, says, can I see your ID, please? And when I've gone to businesses that have a security function and I have to show ID to the receptionist or to the security person or both at the facility or sign some type of checklist or clipboard or get, a, get an ID badge or a temporary visitor's badge, I don't complain. I don't make faces. I go, okay, 
these per- people are trying to do their job and they're trying to be reasonable and have some sense of assessment of who we invite back into our inner areas. And not everybody, including patrons or strangers or people that are angry or furious or mentally ill or on drugs, should be able to wander back into any part of the library just because they're a taxpayer and just because they're a patron. We need better boundaries in terms of how we organize our vendors, our, our visitors, people that come without appointments or that come with appointments, and there needs to be a little more of a structured process. So I wanted to talk about that. So think about all the reasons why people would come to your library from a delivery or a vendor standpoint. Could be repair on the copy machine, could be repair on the color printer or the 3D printer, could be delivery of books or office supplies, could be delivery of of uh, equipment, uh, machinery, things that you need to run run the facility. Could be maintenance of our air conditioning systems, maintenance of our heating systems, maintenance of our uh, electrical systems, maintenance of our plumbing. Think of all the people that would come in <clears throat> to do things like stock the soda machine or if it's a vendor that controls the, the copy machines and takes out the, um, the money that comes out of those things or takes the money out of any vending machines that we have. That's a, that's a vendor process. Uh, think about the standard vendors that you may have on an everyday basis, which could be a, a, a cleaning company, janitorial services. They're not actually library employees or not employees of your city or county, but actually are a, a contracted maintenance or cleaning staff. So um, besides FedEx, besides UPS, besides Amazon deliveries, think of the things that you may get delivered, including Grubhub and food and pizzas and, and things that the employees may order. And, and I wonder if patrons order pizzas and have them delivered to the library. When we think about these people coming in, it's, it's an everyday occurrence in some libraries. And the larger your library is, the more of these types of deliveries you may get. They may come into the, to the behind the scenes area because of work they have to do. They may come into the warehouse for deliveries, installations, drop-offs of things, pick up things. Uh, it could be trash services. It could be recycling services. It could be delivery of, of bulk items, uh, whether it's, it's uh, uh, computer equipment, that type of thing where people are coming into our, our uh, warehouse or our storage or inventory areas. Some libraries I have been to have a cage in their warehouse, which is where we keep the TSIs or what's called the theft sensitive items. Those things are under lock and key. Uh, That would include uh, things like um, uh, computer hardware, um, things that are expensive like printer, uh, toner, laser toner, um, things that are expensive office supplies that we don't want walking away, tablets, laptops, things like that are kept under lock and key. And sometimes we have people back there and the gate unfortunately is kept unlocked because of convenience where the people that are working in the storage or warehouse area trade off security for convenience and they don't keep that area locked and then they go away and then stuff starts to disappear. Think of the most common delivery that you would get at the library almost every single day except Sunday. It'd be the mail. And a U.S. mail comes in and oftentimes the mail person may drop off uh, um, the mail and packages at the circulation desk or the front desk. Or it may go to a central location where an employee, a courier, or somebody that works for the city or county picks it up and brings it to the facility. But you could have the post office employees come into your your library every single day as well. Think about truck drivers that are coming to the library in, in the loading dock area. Or maybe they come to the front of the library and they block the entrance or they block access to the entrance because they want to be close and convenient. And it's just a, quote, quick drop off of something and then they block parking, they block handicapped access, things like that. That may be a concern of your vendors as well. 
Uh, sometimes the trucks will come in and they're so large that they block uh, parking spaces and red curbs and fire hydrants, and that may be an issue that you have to address, especially as a library leader as well. When I look at all the deliveries that come in, sometimes it's easy to take these things for granted. Sometimes they happen so regularly that we get kind of comfortable with the people that come in. I have brought this up in previous conversations about access control and visitor control. One of my weightlifting partners is a UPS delivery guy, and he wears the brown shorts and the brown socks with the gold trim and the brown UPS shirt. And he is a, a relief driver, which means that every day he works in a different part of the community. He's not in the same route every single day. And I said, do people ever ask you about ID or to ever show ID? And he says, no, not once ever. He says, they see me with my hand truck and my brown UPS uniform. And I come in the building and I say, I'm here for a pickup or I'm here for a drop off. And I've got some boxes to drop off or I've got an empty hand truck and I'm come to pick up some stuff. And they just wave me on through. And I said, can they see your UPS truck from the street? And he says, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And I said, so you look like a UPS guy, and they've never seen you before, and yet they invite you into their facility. He says, yep, happens all the time. Now, I'm not saying that we have to give the third degree to every UPS person that comes to our door or mail person or delivery, Amazon or FedEx. But if we don't recognize that person as obviously being the one that we have a regular delivery routine with, then at least we want to ask for ID the first time. And that person should not be offended. They should say, oh, here's my ID. It should be visible for you to see outside their clothing. And they should surrender it so you can look at it carefully the first time that you come across this person. <clears throat> One of the issues that I have had in my city and county work where we have truck drivers coming on a regular basis in to make deliveries uh, for various things is sometimes they need to wait in the facility itself, whether it's a warehouse or uh, another part of the facility where their stuff is unloaded by employees with a forklift or unloaded by employees who are taking it to various parts of the, of the building. So they wait while this happens. And sometimes you will see an organization that builds kind of a bullpen or a structured waiting area for those truck drivers to be in. It may have a coffee machine or sodas and water and access to the restroom, but it's not access to the rest of the building. They can't go all over the place. Or more commonly, you have a space where other employees go and the truck drivers come and mix in with them. And that's when we get into issues related to um, conversations and flirting with the female employees sometimes and even fights with other employees over conflict issues because these people are coming into our work areas and they're not separate from where our employees are. And so I always have a sense that if you have regular delivery drivers where they have to wait around for things to be counted or inventoried or loaded or reloaded, that they're not allowed to roam all over the building and the facility. <clears throat> it can be difficult to establish a visitor, vendor, badging, sign-in, sign-out kind of a policy with people because it's a hassle. And we get back to the thing that I always am concerned about is where we trade security for convenience. And when we trade security for convenience, we go, well, this is what we usually do, but not today. And this is what we usually do for strangers that come into our facility that are vendors and delivery people, maintenance people, repair people, but not today. And what happens is not today becomes every day. And what you hear when you talk to the employees is, well, we started out doing that, but it got kind of a hassle, and so we stopped. And then that's kind of like the same complaint I have about the book alarms, which is we used to have the book alarms on, and we used to be pretty vigilant about, about when the book alarms went off, uh, talking to patrons carefully and assertively about what might be in their backpack or why they set it off. But it got to be kind of a hassle, so we stopped. And I look at these things and I say, well, 
Do we have to wait for some type of incident involving a delivery person, a maintenance person, a vendor, before we change our policies? And hopefully the answer to that is no. So it may be useful to make a list on paper as the most common vendor relationships that you have in your library. The, the physical size of your library is going to make a big difference. A one-person, one-room, micro-staff library is not the same as one that has six floors and takes up an entire city block. But just think about all these relationships that happen. It could be contract cleaning uh, vendors which who come in after hours. Now, maybe they're there during hours business hours during operating hours to clean up certain things, restroom checks, things like that, spills that may happen. But more likely, they come in after hours. These people will need access to the burglar alarm codes. Uh, they have free reign of the library, including all the interior uh, offices of the leadership. Uh, they can get access to all kinds of file cabinets that are unlocked. And they may even have access to uh, computer systems which are not logged off. So there's a thought process about who we invite into our library even when it's closed. And you say, well, we've had this contract relationship with this cleaning janitorial service. And it says on their advertisements that they're bonded and insured. Who even knows what that means? People put that stuff all over the place. And what I'm looking at is... Can we create an environment where the cleaning folks can do their work, but they don't get access to our confidential data? They don't get access to computer systems. They don't get access to be able to make long-distance phone calls on our phones, because that happens as well. And that there's some sense of oversight about when they come in and when they go. They're not allowed to come in at 2 in the morning. They should be cleaning from, say, you know, 8.15 at night if we close at 8 until 11, something like that. There should be no reason that they're coming in after hours. Um, you know, deep into the evening. I've had cases where the janitorial people came in and had parties inside their client buildings because they came in on weekends after hours and, you know, got sodas and water out of the break rooms and ate food and things like that, you know, completely ridiculous. So when you think about who was in your facility during the business day as a vendor, it could be completely different as to who is there not during the business day but after hours. And do we have a sense of, of access control for them. They have maybe graduated key cards where they're not allowed to get into every part of the building or every part of the facility, but can get into the parts where they need to do the cleaning. And then you think about those folks that are coming in for pretty regular um, uh, vendor uh, situations like deliveries. And so do they always come to the same desk to drop off packages or pick up things? Do they always go to the same part of our facility so that they're not wandering around the, the whole business? Uh, when you have <clears throat> maintenance and repair people, maybe you have a pretty regular uh, maintenance uh, um, response by folks that are working on things that break a lot. Uh, doors is a perfect example. We get a lot of door vendors in my building because we have these big, I'm in a 22-story building, and they have these huge doors that are always broken. The locks are always broken. They don't shut. So the door people are here constantly. Uh, you may have uh, maintenance that's coming in that works for your city or county if you're a library agency that's, that's inside a city or county and, and operated that way. Or you may have specific repair maintenance relationships where people are coming in, changing fluorescent bulbs and, and doing electrical work and plumbing work and things like that where they're coming in on an irregular basis. How do we have those folks check in? How do we know that they're doing what they're supposed to do? How do we know that they're finishing up and, and do they need to come back the next day? Or are they doing the job in one day? Those types of things are kind of critical. So when I look at, at maintenance, it could be an all-the-time thing. It could be a, a copy machine that needs almost a daily adjustments, uh, color copier, 3D printer, something like that. It could be plumbing issues that you have on almost daily basis. And then it could be episodic things. 
electrical problems, lighting problems, uh, paint, drywall, stucco, things like that, where you're having uh, construction people coming into our facility. Again, <clears throat> we want to find out who the four person or the boss or the crew leader is and talk to that, that person about how long they're going to be there, where they come and go, how they enter the building in the morning before working hours if necessary, or how they leave the building after working hours as necessary. Those types of things are, are critical. So the, the biggest sort of break that I see in, in how we look at these things is, are these folks who are coming to our facility employees of ours, fellow, fellow city or county or, or library uh, district employees working for us or with us in our same facility, or are they contract people that have come from outside that have been hired by the library or hired by the city and county to come in and do work? So uh, that can include lawn, uh, lawn and landscaping people, Sometimes they work for city county, other times they work for an outside en entity, which they come and do our landscaping and our work, that type of a thing. So <clears throat> sometimes it is easy, I believe, to look at those relationships and just assume that everything's on the up and up, assume that everything's okay, assume that you don't need much oversight here. And how we tend to get, get strict and, and serious about stuff like that is if there's a conflict, if there's inappropriate sexual or racially harassing behavior, how about theft of some of our expensive items or even theft of food and sodas and water and you know lunches out of the break room stuff like that that may have come from a, a vendor or a repair person who was not supervised uh, and allowed to wander all over the facility so this uh, subject of who and how and where people come into your library is i think an important one and i don't want to wait till an incident or an issue or a conflict uh, to a, start to address it. So think about some of these things who you, you may see people on a very regular basis and you go, okay, uh, I have no concerns about this relationship, but you may see some other people where you do have concerns or you have heard things from other coworkers or staff about their conduct or behavior, or you see people on an irregular basis and you don't actually know who they are. So in this day and age, in the post 9-11 world that we're living in where you have to show ID for a lot of things uh, these days and airports and things like that, it should be a pretty common part of their business day to show their employee identification to you, a badge with a photograph on it, or to have a vetted work order that proves where they're supposed to be and that you know that they're coming because you've been told by, the, by um, your facilities people or your maintenance people what's happening so that you feel comfortable about who's in your library. One of the things I'm always concerned about is what vendor or, or delivery people may do of a policy violation, like kind of sexually harassing or racially harassing behavior, or even teasing or bullying or inappropriate comments or jokes or something like that to staff. And then that staff says, well, this person doesn't work here. What am I supposed to do? Not realizing or perhaps not thinking all the way through that we have some control over these people by saying you're fired or you can't come here anymore or we need to change out the person that's making the deliveries if the previous person is having problems with, with his uh, behavior. So it's important to empower staff to say, look, we don't anticipate any issues, but if there are, and if you have some concerns about comments or language or behavior, um, things that you see disappearing or, or inappropriate sort of liberties that vendors may take, taking food or sodas or water, uh, that type of thing, making phone calls with our, our phone, you know, that kind of stuff, or using our internet equipment or something like that, you have to tell us about it. So if we have an issue about their conduct in our facility, we need to know about it as a leadership team. And obviously, as a leadership team, your biggest um, um, sort of leverage point, your biggest weapon, hammer, so to speak, on these types of people is you're fired. 
and you say, we're not having this person coming back into our facility. We either fire the, the contractor, the entire contractor, or we fire the, we ask the, the, uh, the contractor to sub out or replace that employee. Uh, you know, the parallel you would certainly draw is if you have outside uh, security officers in your library and you say, we're, we're deeply unsatisfied with this particular officer. He or she is not a good fit for our patrons, not a good fit for our employees. We've had some complaints, whatever it happens to be. We go to the, to the security contractor and say, take this person out, put in a new, a new employee in their stead. Same thing that we would do um, if it's a delivery issue, if it's a maintenance issue, it's a facilities issue. Now, that's tougher to do, obviously, if the employee is a, 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 per, or a person is employed by your same city or county, they're an employee. But it is easy to do, and it should be easy to do, for those situations where you say, we um, have an expectation of professional ethical behavior amongst your installation, maintenance, delivery, um, construction people. And if that's not happening, we're going to speak to the, to the job boss, the site administrator, the person that's in charge of these things, and make sure that we have the right people in place. And if not, we're going to fire off the contract. So there should be consequences for illegal or threatening or harassing behavior, even for outside people. And so the same parallel that we draw where we say this was happening from a patron, we would create boundaries for that patron, including you can't come to the library, you can't do business with our employees, or you'll do business with a specific supervisor as a way to create a buffer for this type of behavior around our folks. So the same thing for the vendor relationships, which is how do we create consequences for, for those people that are violating our access control rules or use of the facility rules or just a little bit too friendly, a little bit too flirty, a little bit too unprofessional in their interactions and, and conversations with our staff members or even other, other patrons. That could happen as well. So it's certainly not to suggest all vendors have these issues, but sometimes you look at these relationships and they get a little familiar and as a result, they get boundary problems and they start to go into areas of the library or do or say things that they should not as a person having a professional client um, uh, response to what we're hiring them for. And think about who's coming into your, your library, what kind of, of access control that you want these people to have, where you want them to wait while things are happening for them, trucks being unloaded, whatever it happens to be what you expect from them in terms of their conduct, their conversations, their interactions with our staff and our, our patrons, and who has after-hours access if necessary, who's working on the outside of the building, who doesn't have to come inside, who's working on the inside of the building and may need to do it uh, with supervision from somebody staying uh, at the facility, a, a manager or supervisor staying at the facility after closing hours. That might be for something like a camera installations or something similar to a security installation that may need to happen. Um, and then look at, at those um, ways that we have kind of a tracking system to say, well, who's been in here? Do we have a sign-up sheet? Do we have a sign-in, sign-out sheet? Do our administrative uh, people know who's coming and going into the back offices? Uh, do we have a reception person that who works in the back office of the library that allows access to the library director, to the leadership team, to other parts of our, our facility? Is there some, some key control? Is there some access control as to how people get to and from the front part of the library versus the, the back part of the library? So I think about these things oftentimes because there is an event and we look at the event and say, we probably didn't do the greatest job in terms of preventing this because we let some stuff get kind of loose. And access control for me is not something that should be loose. 
And I don't think in this day and age, vendors, maintenance people, facilities people coming in um, should apologize or have to be apologized to for us asking them for ID. And I don't think they should say, well, you know, I've never been treated this way before in my life. Yeah, you have almost anywhere you go where you're trying to get some services, whether it's a rental car or an airplane or get behind the scenes someplace, you're going to have to show employee ID or your, your personal ID so that we can verify who you have. So think about those vendor relationships, people that are coming into your facility on a regular or irregular basis. Is it delivery? Is it maintenance? Is it ongoing? Is it, is it a potentially problematic behavior or are things going fine? Pay attention to your vendors coming into your facility. We have a duty to protect our employees and a duty to protect our patrons. And if we aren't getting good service from those vendor entities that we're contracting with, we need to speak to the person in charge of those particular organizations and say, you're going to put your work relationship, your client-customer relationship with us at risk if you don't tighten up on your employees or get a new person to come and service our account. So thanks for listening to the Library Service Security and Safety Podcast. I'm Steve Albrecht, and I am working under the guise of Steve Hargadon, the founder and producer of Library 2.0 and this podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care.